I'm Charlie Rossi, and this is Poetry Spoken Here. Today we have something special. It's the first episode featuring a reading from the Unamuno Author Festival that occurred in May 2019 in Madrid, Spain. Molly McCulley-Brown is the author of The Virginia State Colony for Epileptics and Feeble-Minded, which was named the New York Times Critics' Top Book of 2017. She has a collection of essays and a collaborative book of poems, both coming out in 2020 from Persia Books. This reading was the part of an evening of reading celebrating the 25th anniversary of the Civitella Ranieri Retreat Program. Hi, how's this mic working? Can you all hear me? Whenever I wear one of these wireless microphones, um, I feel a little like I'm in a boy band from the 90s, um, which I, I just really love. Um, so it's, uh, it's a huge pleasure um, to be here today. I can't, I can't tell you all. Um, when I think about uh, being here with Spencer, being on the Lowell, which is what brought him to Madrid in the first place, when I think about Chivatella um, and Dana and Diego and everyone I've met there, I just feel sort of swallowed by uh, the force of my own luck. Poetry has given me uh, so many of my dearest people um, and so many of the very best things in my life. Um, so it is a, a huge pleasure to be here. I'm going to read a little bit first um, from my collection, The Virginia State Colony for Epileptics and Feeble-Minded. And the thing to know is that that is a real place. Um, and that in the early and mid-1900s, it was one of the major hubs of the American eugenics movement. Um, and what this means is that from about 1915 to about 1955, thousands and thousands of people who either had or were perceived to have a variety of physical and neurological and intellectual disabilities were forcibly committed and forcibly sterilized there. Um, not only without their consent, but often without their knowledge. They were told that they were being given appendectomies um, and then were sterilized instead. Um, the book is set largely in the 1930s uh, at the height of the sterilization movement in the voices of imagined patients and staff. Um, but it feels more and more important every day and every time I read from this book to say that uh, while the book is set in the past, the stories that it tells about the marginalization and violence against vulnerable populations uh, happened, are still happening, uh, will keep happening unless we resist them. This is uh, a story about the past and whether or not we like to admit it, it's also a story about the present day. Um, this poem is called Grand Mall Seizure. There's however it is you call, and there's whatever it is you're calling to. July, I sew my own dress from calico and lace. August, they take it off me in the colony. Trade it in for standard issue Virginia cotton. Not much room for my body in the heavy slip. Maybe that's the idea. For a while, the abandoning was rare, and then it was not, and would never be again. Imagine you are an animal in your own throat. The dormitory has a pitched, dark roof and a high porch. We are not allowed outside. Instead, we go to the window and make a game of racing dogwood blossoms knocked down by the wind. Choose your flower as it falls and see whose is the first to hit the clay. I beat the crippled girl every day for a week. 
The trick is to pick the smaller petals. Most nights, they knot the bedsheet in my mouth so that I will not bite my tongue. Lay out on the pine floor, rattle your own bones back to the center of the world. In the beds, the smell of kerosene and lye. The girls wake themselves one after another, spasm, whimper, whine. Outside, cicadas, in the distance, the big house lights. Another truck comes loud up the road, bearing another girl. There is whatever it is you're calling to. There is however it is you call. It's called labor. If you have the body for it, you're bound for the fields, to pick strawberries and coax the milk from cows, or hired out to make baking powder biscuits and gravy, to sweep floors and wash and fold a stranger's clothes. You come back on a truck after sunset, raw and ragged, covered in flour, tobacco or clay. You come back bone-tired and bruised, burned dead out and ready to be shut away. You sleep. I know all this from stories. I do not have the body for it. I do not go to the fields or the barns or the parlors of other folks' houses. I wake at sunrise when they wake the rest, lie in bed till somebody hauls me out and puts me by the window. Lord, I know, to want to work's a foolish thing to those who've got a body built for working. I was as close to born here as you can get, brought, twisted, and mewling to the gates and left. Since then, I am one long echo of somebody else's life. Every understanding that I have is scrap, is shard, is secondhand. Distance, the space between the porch railing and the rise of the Blue Ridge. Water, what they bring from a bucket to my body on Sundays, what I open my mouth for morning and night. Sex. The days the girls come back smelling of whiskey, snuff, and sweat, and something sharp. Every other thing I see is a ghost. Whatever it is you were born to do, sweetheart, there's no doing it here. Make peace with small labors. Your own hand drawing a needle through a torn sheet your elbow bending as you soak clothes in the washroom downstairs. The storm that tears the azaleas apart along the road outside, that's it for beauty. Or also there's the way at night the girls in nearby beds teach one another to cuss, whisper, God damn it, you bastard. Sigh, God damn it, all the hell. You know, before they brought me here, I'd never seen a ghost or anything that wasn't really there. I'd never heard a voice half asleep in the blackness and had to wonder whether or not it belonged to a body. But after the swearing, someone has been singing me hymns from home. Canaan's land, the spirit shall return, traveling on. In the daylight, no one ever sings. Sometimes in the doorway, I think I see a hem trailing away outside but there's nowhere to leave to, and nobody, 
sweetheart. Nobody has a dress that long or lace. I think um, even though it requires that I read from my phone, um, which is like unbearably millennial, <laughs> um, <laughs> given, uh, given that the theme of this uh, festival, this remarkable festival, is friendship, um, I'd like to read a little bit from the project that I've been working on, um, which is a collaborative project with the poet Susanna Nevison, um, who just in the spirit of the magic of the place was actually a fellow at Chivatella a few years before I was. Um, but we met at another summer writing conference. Um, and like me, Susanna has a physical disability that necessitated uh, a lot of very invasive surgical intervention um, in her early childhood. Um, and when we met, we realized that neither one of us had ever had a, a close friend who was another writer um, who was also disabled. Um, and speaking to her was a little like realizing that without really knowing it, um, when we talked about our lives and writing, it was a little like realizing that you'd been speaking a slightly different language than everyone else your whole life. Uh, and then all of a sudden, you weren't anymore. Um, and so we thought, what would it be uh, like if we just wrote to each other like that? Um, and so these letters uh, are what arose. And I'm actually going to go, hang on to the end here. Come back. All right. Um, dear M, last night I dredged the river again. I'd gone looking for the children I left there, the ones who catch like leaves and twigs in the dam, the ones I set down like little boats, and the ones I set down like little stones. I'm beginning to believe they were never any more than shadows slipping out of the recovery room while I slept, leaving little notes for me that disappeared as soon as I thought to touch them. You said our eyes can remake a thing, change a shape by looking. I don't want to, another thing to lose its skin or come undone. It's enough that I can't remember the shapes of the things I've loved or the things I've made in one body or another, so I must make them up. Here is a heart-shaped hoof. Here is a hoof-shaped heart. Dear S, last night I tried to sleep inside a blank hotel room. I made the bed a boat, believed the smell of bleach was just the water filling up with salt, just gulls outside the window, just the tide and what it beaches bone bright on the cliffs. The ocean hunts itself at night for all that has survived in the wrong place that has outlived its usefulness, come loose and gotten lost or fallen far behind when other colonies have eased right out to sea. It has a mechanism for determining belonging true as gravity and all the quartz and lime and iron that comprise the moon. I comb the beach at night for shapes I recognize and every night my children don't wash up, I think there's still a chance for them. And every night I don't find my own face ripe for unmaking, I'm surprised. And I'll just read two more. Dear M, maybe it's a pronoun problem after all. Our bodies, you and me, the lot of us, in search of ways to address one another when we can't ever fully turn around inside this room. When we sleep, of course we come unraveled. It's only fair. Awake, we're always pushing against another kind of self who pushes back or pulls us down, makes us stay. 
the kind who doesn't let us go too far. When we sleep, I believe we leave some selves behind. In the morning, they stare back at me across the room, and though I look away, they always plead with me, tell us where you've been. And this is the last one I'll read. Dear S, today the doctor's office called to say he'd see me in November and take every photograph at once, my knees and hips and back to see what's what. And I heard survey the damage, tell you your fortune, reach right in or cast you out. And all my smaller selves, they hunkered down like children, tender in their fear, swore that they'd file down their claws or fall in line or let me loose if that was what I wanted, begged me to keep them a secret, not to hold them out there in the light. Years ago, they spent a long time in the theater, fumbling their blocking, being stretched and prodded, asked to pose. There are so many star charts made in their image, so many maps of how they move. But then there was this mess of wild, unwatched years. My hair grew long, my selves grew wedded to their unseen galaxy. They want no cartograph, no telescope. They want neither to know or to be known. I have been asking for an answer, a relief map. I have begged to be found out. Now, some maker readies the camera, readies the compass, readies the knife, and all of me rallies to pull closed the curtains to cover my face. Thank you. You're listening to Poetry Spoken Here. I'm your host, Charlie Rossiter. We've been enjoying the poetry of Molly McCulley-Brown, which she read at the Unamuno Author Festival in Madrid, Spain. Be with us again next time to let poetry speak to you. You've been listening to Poetry Spoken Here. I'm Charlie Rossiter, inviting you to join us again next time to let poetry speak to you. Music for today's program was written and performed by Jack Rossiter Mundley. And remember, Poetry Spoken Here is more than a podcast. You can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash poetry spoken here. Follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash poetry spoken here. For more about today's show and other Poetry Spoken Here podcasts, as well as our blog, just visit our website, poetryspokenhere.com. If you'd like to submit suggestions of poets or topics for future podcasts, you can send to our email address, poetryspokenhere at gmail.com.